Welcome to Season 4 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the leaders' conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? Well, this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you don't never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And I'm Dan Jenkins, Associate Professor and Chair of Leadership and Organizational Studies at University of Southern Maine. And we are super thrilled for this episode of the Leadership Educator Podcast. Today, we welcome Professor Tara Coase to the show to discuss service learning during the pandemic. So Tara, welcome to the show. Am I supposed to say thank you? You can if you'd like. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) You know, thank you, Tara, for joining us today. I've known you for all of five minutes and I already am in love. So I'm looking forward even more to this conversation. I'm a little envious because Dan knows you so well. He's mentioned that the two of you have worked together at Maine for a long time. And so before we jump into, you know, the purpose of our recording today, um, can you tell us like a little bit about your background for those of us that may not know you as well? Maybe kind of where you're from and how you got on the path to being a leadership educator? Wow, that is really complicated. Um, I... I'm from the whole world. Um, I, I've lived, I left the United States when I was about eight weeks old, um, lived in Southeast Asia, Kuala Lumpur. Um, uh, my dad was collecting data there. I'm, I'm, you know, the survivor of an academic childhood. Um, uh, we started out at the University of Michigan, and then we went to the University of Hawaii. Um, so I spent a lot of my childhood in Hawaii. And then um, I don't know if you asked for a birth origin story, but it, it's all relevant. Um, after my parents divorced, I moved between Chicago, um, where my mom did competitive intelligence, and um, Hawaii, where my dad was a professor of sociology. So. Um, with that interesting background, I, my family lives all over the world. I um, went into, um, I started out in my studies in computer science um, and then moved to um, rhetoric and technical communication. And what really interested me was how the brain processed information given various input. So. Um, that wound up with my dissertation studies being uh, looking at how different things um, spark um, innovative thought, innovative action. Um, and and also the context has also been extremely important. So it was sort of natural for me to fall into leadership studies before leadership studies was really a thing um, because I had while I very much came out of a quant cognitive psychology background, I was um, very, very focused on how the context um, influenced that. So 
that's me in a nutshell. I think uh, my label is a cognitively oriented communication scientist, and I specialize in multinational, uh, multicultural environments. So that's why I was giving the origin story because I've done a, um, a lot of work in post-colonial situations in Southeast Asia and uh, South Africa. So that's me. I teach classes in calm and um, creativity and innovation research methods. I really like the icky subjects where students are like, no, don't make me take it and making it fun and applied and engaging. Oh my God. I feel like we're uh, spirit people because you're my spirit person. Totally. Because right. I, like I am fast. Like I, I, I live my life and I don't know why I don't do my dissertation work on this, but I asked the question, like, when is it okay for people to change? And from what you described, it kind of sounds like that's what you look Always. at. Kind of, right. Yeah. It's just, it fascinates me. Like when can someone apologize and we believe that they've now become this reformed person and now we're going to believe what they say and believe that they get it. Although we're always kind of working to change people and working to make make sure their behavior kind of aligns with um, society. Yeah, you're, wow, we got to do about five more episodes with you because this one 30 minutes is not going <laughs> to be enough. I, you know, we got to talk about service learning. I think, Dan, you have the service learning part, right? I do, I do. <clears throat> and so, and we definitely rely on on Tara quite a bit in our, in our department. So, um, so if we haven't shared already, so Tara and I work at the, at the same institution in the same department. In fact, um, Tara really spearheaded the, the leadership studies uh, and leadership and organizational studies program at University of Southern Maine. And then, you know, we were, we were fortunate um, to kind of be put on the map really, really early in, um, in the history of the discipline of what, what, when, did the, when did we offer our first leadership course in like 97 or 98, Tara? Uh, yeah, September of 97. My first semester, I was the first leadership um, and organizational studies professor. So my first right. semester was the first semester we were a leadership program. Right, right. So um, going going back and, and, you know, certainly had had faculty that were early, early members of the International Leadership Association. And, and uh, it's really been uh, fun to kind of, you know, be, be a part of, of the history of, of, of such a dynamic program and in, in the field. So, um, yeah, and so thinking about, you know, some of the things that 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 Tara brings, in addition to the innovation and the creativity and, and, and the, the global background, um, and, and some of the service uh, learning and international programs that, that Tara facilitates, you know, we were thinking about, you know, who are some great folks that we have in our networks that we could have on the show, and we kept coming back to leadership activities that, you know, were in person, but we've been in this, you know, COVID world for almost a year now. Um, in fact, I was listening to um, NPR on the uh, on the drive to take my daughter to school this morning. And they were saying this today marks the year anniversary, which great anniversary to Mark, but um, it was the first person that um, came to a hospital for care in uh, Seattle with symptoms of COVID. And they said, well, this is an interesting virus, you know, so, um, but here we are. <laughs> and as we think about this idea of being in, you know, a hybrid or a temporary space, service learning projects um, and classes both came up for, for Lauren and I. And so I immediately thought about the work that you've been doing, Tara, and somehow how you facilitate this um, in your, you know, in your infinite wisdom and without much sleep. Um, so how do you, how do you define service learning and kind of what's happening in the space now, given our current circumstances? Well, I mean, the most basic definition of service learning is um, that it has to be performing a service, meeting a community need. Um, 
and it has to be tied to course content. So it can't just be like volunteering somewhere. It has to be tied to course content. And then there has to be a reflective element. So, uh, and often the community member, depending on how you do it. Um, I started out, I don't know if you want a detailed answer here, but I started out, um, we've always been a very community tied program. Um, and uh, again, context leadership, obviously critical. Um, but uh, we started out uh, doing a lot of um, service that was more, uh, more positioned as the class as consultant. So you'd have a client, you'd find out the client's needs, you'd carve out a niche that you can handle in 16 weeks, and then have the class um, address that, whatever it is. So we did like, you know, community policing surveys for the police department or um, looking at a way to revamp uh, nonprofits, uh, volunteer training, um, their whole program of, of um, onboarding and maintaining a good volunteer workforce, things like that. Um, when we had a, an in-place population, so our population was drawn from roughly, you know, 100 miles around the campus, um, that made a lot of sense because those projects were incredibly meaningful to the students. It was having impact in their world. Um, so in addition to, um, you know, the applied learning, they, they also saw themselves as engaged citizens um, of their communities. As we went, um, our scope became larger as we did more and more courses online, that sort of part of our program fell away. We couldn't quite wrap our, our arms around how to do that without a place, if you will, without a set place that the students shared in common. So several years ago, I came across this idea where you could, with students, um, have students come up with ideas that would work for them in their place. And I don't know how um, in depth you want me to go. I can talk forever about the origins of that, but um, it's, it's a very convoluted story that marries some of my passions. Um, in my <clears throat> work in South Africa, one of my project partners um, was a ballet school teacher. Um, and she, she was lifting up and um, making possibilities for the very poorest of the poor in the townships in South Africa. And I mean, her, her ballet school was a single, um, you know, cement block room with a giant hole in the wall. So nobody else could use that room. So they used it as their dance studio. Um, and she was dying. She was very close to leaving when she found out that this organization she'd never heard of had raised millions of rand so that her work could continue on long after her death. And, I, I, you know, you're just like, who are these people? That's amazing. Um, <clears throat> and that whole community was uplifted. Um, so um, that that's 
made me start thinking about, okay, so this is an organization that made a huge impact with people they don't know. Um, and and it isn't and it wasn't just a giving of service it was an uplifting it was a it was creating community leaders showing possibilities showing a world outside of your um you know your ancestral view of what was possible so that started percolating around and um and then i um when on medical leave, unrelated, um, <laughs> and and was exposed to this crazy television show um, and called Supernatural. Um, Netflix suggested it um, to me, and I watched. You know, at the time there was I think twelve or thirteen seasons, and I watched them like in two months. Um, the 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 first of all it was an entertaining show but also it um really picked at some of the things that i do in my scholarship around how um ancestral belief systems guide modern behavior um, um so concepts of myth and heroism and magic and madness and um so after two months of watching the show i turned to my poor long-suffering husband and i said i think there's something in here i have to watch it again and he's like yes honey okay um <laughs> so, husband fashion yeah, yeah whatever you, just, whatever makes you happy i'll just put in my headphones and watch <laughs> videos um so so anyway uh as i'm watching it a second time and getting really geeked out about how i could use this this show with really um strong conversations about good versus evil and um redemption and all sorts of interesting things for marrying sort of pop culture and and leadership education um i i went back on and watched the video of my dear friend finding out that she had um she had gotten this huge grant to keep her school going for a very long time and was like why is one of the supernatural actors talking on this video and i was like wait what what is this connection i might be watching too much supernatural maybe maybe this didn't really happen turned out that it was his organization one of the actors organization that had done this great act of kindness so this very long explanation but i'm trying to show the ties um uh it, led me to this organization called Random Acts and its sole purpose is to promote acts of kindness worldwide. And that just went ding, 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 ding. This was the answer to my service project um, um, with an online community. Some of them are in Africa, some of them are in, you know, Europe, some of them are in California, wherever. So. I designed this whole, um, both at the undergrad level and the grad level, I have one in um, required classes, I teach at both levels, a semester long project in which students would go through a whole lot of the tools and the thinking that is required of ambiguous problem spaces in communities. So. Um, you know, they, they have a weekly assignment in which they pick at some aspect of, um, you know, orientation, planning, implementation, and then reflection about um, 
this project and and they choose what it is so uh, perform an act of kindness and if they're all in one place they might clean up a park you know together um and if they're all separate they might um do work at animal shelters you know wherever they're located so your question is I can talk forever. This can be a 17 no, no. hour well, no, no, podcast. No, no. I, wait, Tara, wait, I'm going to pause you right there. Cause you said so many great things. And I think two things that really stand out for me and I'll uh-huh. ask them separately. The first one is, so it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that, um, you know, in sharing your example, you talked about how um, people raised money for this person in a community they had never, where they'd never been. Like they didn't know the, right. the person, they just knew the story. And it's so interesting right. because with, service learning, one of the bigger challenges I find with students is they sometimes, and I don't know where this comes from, whether it's it's their own mindset, whether it's the class, whether it's the university, you know, they hear service learning or they hear service and they feel like, you know, they're going to come in, kind of swoop in, save whatever underserved or, you know, lacking community they're assigned to, you know, and like they come in with that mentality. Ick. Is it, right, 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 exactly. Yeah. What a professional word, ick. Um, I just, but, but so they go in with that mindset and I just remember very clearly one day I heard a student talking about her experience. They went, it was a student at my current university and this was like, like five, six years ago. She said, you know, they went into this local, um, school, this elementary school, and they were going to talk to these fourth graders about going to college. And the kids were like, no, we don't want to hear from you. And we're not going to college. And they were floored. They were like, no, college is great. And they were like, no the college students that live next door to me are so loud. I can't sleep at night. And sometimes I'm tired going to school and I struggle. So I don't want to be like, if that's what college is like, I don't want that. And our students were like floored that they thought they were going in to really convince these kids. And these kids were like, no, we see what you're doing when you're not in some school, when you're not in this program. So we can't really take what you, and they were young kids. And I was just, it, it just blew my mind. Um, because it, it kind of spoke to this larger piece that, you know, when we design these service learning classes and projects, we see them as these little one-offs and not really think about how, if you're immersed in this community, if you're living amongst the community or serving, um, and, and in my case at Temple, mm-hmm. there are a lot of local programs that students participate in that are right around campus. It's like, you, you really have to be mindful that you're always being watched in this space. But I love that you shared in your story that that wasn't necessarily the case for this. You can still be successful and not be immersed in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, this is probably my global perspective, but I believe that we're global citizens. So, you know, enhancing people's potential anywhere is good for all of us. Um, I also don't believe that service is something the privileged are doing for the less privileged. Um, That is a big no-no in my world. You know, what are you going to learn from, it's all about your learning, not your performing something on somebody else. So what can you take you know, how can you grow from this experience is the key here. I also throw them into ambiguous problem spaces. So I don't give them any guidance. I mean, I guide them along the way, but I don't, I don't tell them what to do. It makes them insane. I think Dan's laughing because um, 
you know, I'm famous for that. I like create <laughs> a whole lot of structure and then throw you into a mess because that's real life. That's leadership. That There's not an answer to anything. So figure it out, buddies. You're smart. You can do this and you can do this with integrity and you can do this with kindness and, you know. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that. Like, go figure this out because that's what you're going to have to do when you graduate. There's not going right. to be a formal program. You know, and I tell my students, I start them off early and I just say, you know, I don't know the answers to everything and there's nobody out there that's the perfect leader. I said, but understanding this stuff makes it a little bit easier and gives you a little bit more confidence in some of the decisions that you made. So you're competent and confident, but you there's no absolute. There's no, you know, follow this map and you end up you know, solving the world's problems, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is you talked a little bit about like uh, mysticism and magic and superheroes. And I love that because, so I have two boys, I have a 20 year old and I have an eight year old and mm-hmm. my older son, when he was probably maybe like 12 or 13, you know, I asked him about leadership. Like I was doing some work and I was like, what do you think leadership is? And he had this perfect definition. And I'm <laughs> looking at him and I'm like, you, you know, you struggle with long division, but you've got this like very mm-hmm. real sense of what leadership is. And I'm like, how do you know this? Like, wh- have you been listening to me? Are you sneaking and reading my books? What's happening? And he was just like, no, like I watch a lot of Marvel comics and yep. it's like this aha moment that in there, there are these lessons that, that are to be learned that, that can help set our students up for, or help set people up for this kind of what we're trying to teach them. Um, and then I was also, it also made me think about my younger son. We're reading uh, the uh, warrior cats, which is mm-hmm. mysticism. It's these two rival cat clans that are fighting. And he he loves like fighting ninja karate and he loves animals. So it's like the best of both worlds. But in there, there are all there's all this content about problem solving and decision-making and, you know, being integritous and honest. And so it's this interesting way that they're learning about these things that we don't consciously think about. Um, so that when they get to classes like yours, you know, maybe if they've read Warrior Cats or watch Marvel, they'll Absolutely. be more confident in those decisions, right? Yeah, and the reason those stories resonate is because those are the stories that humanity has created. So we resonate with the hero. We resonate with, um, you know, where is that line between what is magic and what is crazy, you know? And where do those things integrate into our day-to-day existence? We are so snotty in this modern era that we think, you know, that our ancients don't affect us, that we are independent beings and, you know, we haven't learned from our mothers, 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 mothers. It's ridiculous. It shapes everything we do. Um, So... So that's, that's one of my draws to the, you know, the non-American work that I do is the, um, in both the places I work and there's a healthy respect for that, which has come before. Yeah. And the lessons that can be learned. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I know I'm not like, I know Dan's got to ask some questions, but I do want to just jump in and say, I love that you said that comment about the ancestors. So I'm currently working on my, my uh, PhD. And one of the first assignments we have to do is this reflective leadership essay on like who we are as a leader and how we got there. Mm -hmm. And my first was, well, in college, I was, you know, campus president and I was in (laughs) groups and they were like, no, 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 no. You need to really dig deep. And what I ended up walking away with was like my great grandmother's 
both black flipped houses a hundred years ago. And so like going through their evolution and onto my grandmothers and then to my mothers, like this pathway of, of female leadership, business and education emerged that so much like guides my practice. And I'd never had an intentional thought about it until I wrote that reflective leadership Mm -hmm. essay. And so Mm -hmm. you talk about kind of like this ignorance of the ancestors. I do believe that there's some of that out there, but then kind of once you've opened that up and really dug into finding that it's just, it's amazing how much you recognize those opportunities in practice. So, well, yeah. And it's not only, it's an, it's not only an individual experience, but it's our entire context. It's how we see good and evil. It's how we see, you know, um, okay and not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, are you out there? Sorry. I'm oh, it's just... all good. You know, I get to talk to Tara, Tara all the time. So, you know, I'm just uh, sitting back and, and, and enjoying this and, you know, uh, no, and in, in any case, so I'm, so I'm thinking about. Question the second. Yeah, question the second. <laughs> so uh, as I think about all of the different, um, all the different service uh, projects and service learning and some of the different ideas that you've shared um, for our audience, I'd, I'd love if you shared a little bit about the, the courses that you've been integrating this into and specifically over the last year, I know you teach a group dynamics course right. and, and, you've, and you've taught some other, uh, and you teach actively many other courses, but I'm thinking about how have you integrated, and I guess in a little bit more detail, how have you adapted some of these service learning projects to the online platforms, whether the courses were <laughs> synchronous or asynchronous? So are you talking about time of pandemic or how did this go into... Are you talking about when we went on, when we started going more and more in line or this, the, the assignment that I'm doing now, as I was explaining earlier, um, it's not an assignment, but the, the concept that I'm mm-hmm. applying now um, was really an answer to um, not having people physically in the same location. So y'all figure out um, a project that will work given your context. Um, so that's the easy answer to doing it online. Um, we don't give our students enough agency. We don't need to be in every, you know, micro aspect of their business. We need to carefully structure it. We need to place it in the context of the course learning. We need to be there as a guide. We need to observe, but, um, but we don't need to tell them what to do every step of the way. They're, they're going to learn so much more if they figure it out themselves. And, and of course that requires, you know, a, a structured process to go through, but you don't need to tell them the answers. In fact, you shouldn't. So um, that, that's how I got to the, the project I do. I do um, a semester long project in group dynamics um, cause of course, you know, what a wonderful mess to throw them in to, to dig their way out of for as, especially online groups, ew, online group projects, yuck. <laughs> um, you know, they learn all kinds of things. And then at the grad level, I do it in deliberate creativity and innovation, um, which is all about digging your way out of ambiguous problem spaces with, um, new and useful answers. So I also just because it's cool and handy. Um, I have my uh, research methods class every year that analyzes the data from, you know, what did students do? 
you know, what types of projects did they do? What kinds of impact did they have? And that gets um, the students in the research methods class super fired up. It's like, wow, you just threw this assignment at them and, and we now have 3000 plus hours of service doing all these really cool things. Um, I also have a class, I actually designed a class using the, the show I was telling you about Supernatural um, to talk um, particularly about uh, charismatic leadership, authentic leadership, and servant leadership. And um, with an eye toward how do men be men um, authentically, I, I, I love Lauren's face because that's exactly why I did it. Let me tell you why. We yeah, have, you saw that. I was like, uh, what do you, what do we, uh -huh. men, male identified, like the whole spectrum of identities. Well, to well, well, so we have a huge veteran population and, um, and a lot of conservative students. And I found them, I found there, there was a gap in their educational opportunities and where's a class, you know, we have all, um, you know, um, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but where does the white male find, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how to be in the world now? Cause they don't know. There's a bunch of really good guys who are like in a post me too, post combat, post, you know, BLM post, post, post. I don't know how to be in the world anymore. So this really, um, I, I created this class specifically for them to talk about how can you be authentically yourself when almost everything um, that you were raised with has been turned on its head or is being turned on its head. So, um, so I have them do a month of service. I mean, as part of a whole bunch of other stuff, but, but one of the things I do is have them do a month of service where they do an act of kindness every day, doesn't matter what it is. And that really gets um, students out of their worlds and into their communities. Cause you can be like, oh, I made my wife breakfast or, you know, I paid for coffee for the person behind me. And then, but when you're doing it every day and you're trying to do something different every day, you start delving more and more and more and more into, I saw this guy walking by the side of the road near the VA center turns out he he lived six hours away and I gave him a ride home and found this amazing human being that I got to spend all this time with so you know there's <clears throat> it that is a different type of assignment that's really um sort of picking at how can you be how can you be a leader in your community but what is your what actually is your community who are the people in it um so yeah, there's all different applications of do an act of kindness. Yeah. Um, and that. Dan Dan is asking me about um, the extracurricular parts of things too. So um, Random Acts is the organization that really inspired me just to pick an act of kindness, make a difference. Um, and that's, they, they, it's a fully volunteer workforce. They, they exist all over the world and it's just all about doing good, being good, being kind. Um, there's sort of a cousin organization to that. And this is, this is part of my uh, creativity stuff that I drag everybody into at some point um, 
called Gish, which is the greatest international scavenger hunt. And it is called the Good Hunt. And it's every item um, of the scavenger hunt. There's a big scavenger hunt in like August-ish, late July, early August, every summer. And every item in the scavenger hunt is about um, either taking yourself out of your comfort zone or um, having an impact in some way. So every item in the scavenger hunt is about stretching, stretching and doing good, either for yourself or others. So I was like, ah, oh, perfect. So um, I just said, hey, students, faculty, staff, who wants to play? They're like, Tara, what are you making us do? Um, and and I just advertised in classes and with students and, um, you know, and and we do this big event. It's like eight days of total insanity, no sleep, lots of paint and glitter and craziness and exhaustion um, of just doing good and taking yourself outside of your world and and having impact. And, and there's real impact, not just craziness and getting students engaged outside the classroom. So, you know, um, the, well, I told you the example of the, the dance school in South Africa. Um, the, the scavenger hunt, this game um, uh, during COVID has raised money to feed hundreds of thousands of school children who aren't getting their school lunch because they're not in school. Um, has raised money enough to buy cooperative farms in Rwanda for genocide survivors um, so that dozens and dozens of families now have sustainable farming to to sustain them you know forever um, on and on and on and on the huge impacts buying huge chunks of rainforest to preserve that land for the species that need that that land to survive um, mosquito netting in places where uh, malaria is still hugely um, problematic so so all all over the world um, and it, it's also socially conscious so so there's been um, a, a sort of a new twist as our visible world has become more and more complex um, has been sort of seminars so watch 13th and um, and then do some depiction of how this information has changed how you think about your reality um, so it's educational and and reflective at the same time as well so very cool on so many levels and students just volunteer they're like yeah i'll gish with you um and i talk about it in class and and um and we just do it so that's one way um that we stay engaged and serve outside of class we also created a student chapter of random acts and this is my heart my guys i'm so freaking proud of them um so this is nothing to do with school. They don't get any funding from the university. They just wanted to keep doing random acts in a structured way. And they actually became official, I think in March. So right as the pandemic started. And these guys, 
these guys outside of class for no credit nobody's getting paid they were just rock stars they have um they wrote a small grant to feed to create food bundles for 40 um 40 families in the townships in south africa because they really have no resources right now um they wrote another grant to buy school supplies um for at-risk kids and not just like here's a box of pens there will be the the project hasn't been completed yet but there will be a school supply bundle for every child in 11th and 12th grades in this high school um and it's a and it's a uh, these kids don't have pencils so i mean it's it's hugely impactful yeah. they um oh i'm sorry danny trying to get me to shut up I'm not trying to get you to to, to shut anything. What I'm oh. <laughs> what I was just gonna get to is no. It's 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 really uh, it's creative how you've found all of these different opportunities and activities for students to um, participate in during during the pandemic. I, I remember when you recruited uh, my family and I to participate in um, in the virtual gish. Um, gosh, that would have been really early during the maybe was it April or or May, the, the virtual yeah. gish that we did. And I while while you had recruited us to be a part of some of the things uh, prior, like when you took a picture of your horse inside your house, um, and when you uh, had us fling, had me fling pudding at my daughter's in a dairy farm, yeah. um, th these were all the types of things that they all, <laughs> they all connected to some type of service and doing good. And, and I think mm -hmm. about, you know, we, we I, I had my, my kids feed me cereal in a socially distanced way. So we tied, you know, uh, long branches together and we tied a spoon to one end. To, to have them do that. And um, some of the different scavenger hunt items in that virtual one were things like, you know, call somebody um, in a assisted living facility and teach them, you know, something. Or uh -oh, them have them or teach you have something. Have them teach you. That's right. Yeah. And so it's just so creative how the organization brings people together, um, particularly during this time of, you know, having to, to socially distance and be, be away from from each other. And so I've just always appreciated the, the creativity that goes into finding these like alternate universes for students to participate in service in that are not connected um, always, you know, to, you know, like a, like an integrated, you know, center for service learning or something like that, that is, you know, part of the university's structure. And so, you know, there are just so many creative ways to, um, integrate service learning into some of these academic courses. And, and you've done a, a I think a really, uh, fine job of describing like how it connects to the learning outcomes, particularly with some of the group dynamics and, and some of these other things. Is, mm -hmm. is is there anything we haven't asked you about that you, that you want to share with us today? Well, I think one of the <laughs> one of the things that uh, you give I don't I don't I don't want I create the playgrounds. I don't tell them what to do. So I mean, when I say I'm really proud of my guys, I'm not like. I created the space. They wrote the grants. They I helped them implement whatever. But you know, they're they're right now they're writing six hundred or seven hundred and sixty-two cards just thanking area school teachers for hanging in there. They don't have kids in schools. Just just thanking them for hanging in there and going the extra mile to educate our kids. They're um, creating signs to put up near, you know, hospitals. And again, this is nothing um unusual but they just keep going they keep coming up with ideas um 
and I'm just like, yeah, I can cut letters for you on my cricket. You know, I mean, I, I create the space and the permission. And I think that's the most important part to showing people their own potential is create the playground and make it fun, you know, make it fun, make it cool, make it, you know, it, it shouldn't be this heavy thing where you're doing good works, you know, it should be, you know, man, we're, we're all, we're all living this dance together. Let's do it with joy. I love that you said that, you know, you create the space and, you know, give them permission. Although I feel like it's this faux permission, like you really already have what you need to do it. Of if course. you just need to say yes, yep, you got it. You know what I mean? Well, and also if you're mighty. Yeah. Um, go yeah. be mighty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. I also too love the fun part. I always do training with smelly markers because for some I reason. love smelly markers. You are my soulmate. Yeah, we are definitely, I'm telling you, we are. Oh my gosh. For sure. I, we just, you know, but, but on that note, as much as I'd love to continue to converse, we do have some time limits. And so we are going to thank you mightily for joining us today. It was such a pleasure hearing about service learning and about the work that you're doing in the classroom and how it's trickled outside of the classroom into your your students' lives and really changed how they operate. So we thank you so much for joining us today and wish you the best of luck this semester. Thanks. Back to syllabi building. <laughs> Bye, y'all. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. That's Dr. Underscore Leadership, and uh, Lauren is at M R S L A U R J B. That's Mrs. Laura J B. Um, and you can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. And we also encourage you to subscribe and rate us five stars. As the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd also like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The Support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in New Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and educator. And he's currently an associate professor of trumpet, coordinator of jazz and commercial music, and director of ensembles at Coastal Carolina University. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, thank you to the Association of Leadership Educators. Check out what ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you'll listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts.